Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of the book of Acts. This week, the spotlight is on the remainder of the day of Pentecost. Following the supernatural fulfillment of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter delivers his first sermon to a large gathering of astonished Jews. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he teaches today's slice of this week's message entitled, Will You Call on the Lord? Chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice. That's what you do when there's no amplification and you got a huge crowd. He raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. Now you might be wondering, with all of those languages going on, uh, here you have one speaker. What did he speak? Well, we don't know. Most likely Aramaic. That was the uh, dialect of Hebrew that was the vernacular language of the Jews uh, in that era, but having heard all of these different languages, now it's one speaker, one message. And he addresses them, men of Judea, that refers to the residents of that area, area the ones that lived in Jerusalem and the areas surrounding um, Jerusalem, like Bethany, maybe as far as Bethlehem, a few miles away. And not only them, but all you who live in Jerusalem, that refers to the ones who were temporarily living in Jerusalem, the ones who had come from all over to come to the Feast of Pentecost, as happened every year several times in Jerusalem. Peter was following normal, polite, public protocol when he said, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. They've just been saying, what does this mean? what's going on here? And so when he says, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, Peter is saying, I'm glad you asked. This is really important. This is a sermon that did not need any man-made introduction to to try to capture the attention of the hearers. There had already been a three-pronged introduction to get the people interested. There was that mighty sound there were those tongues of fire and 120 people stepping out into the crowd, speaking fluently of God's mighty deeds and speaking it fluently in languages they did not know. Yeah, this is something important. Now, secondly, Peter and the others had heard what was being said. Uh, What does this mean? But he starts out with refuting that silly thing the scoffers said, that these people, including the apostles, were all drunk. Now, I've been around some drunk people. I have never heard them speak eloquently of the mighty deeds of God, especially not in languages they don't know. They forget the one they do know if they're drunk enough. Verse 15, 
It didn't take long to refute this. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. How does he deal with that? Well, that's absurd. It was only the third hour of the day, by Jewish reckoning, three hours from sunup, so roughly nine o'clock in the morning. And even people who are drunkards were not usually inebriated so as to do strange things by nine o'clock in the morning, let alone 120 of them all in one place at one time, all doing the same thing, let alone declaring the mighty deeds of God. So this is really important. These people are not intoxicated. Number three, verse 16, this is from the prophet Joel. Now, what you're going to see this morning, it's one of the most fascinating passages of the New Testament in many respects, and I'll say a little bit about that later, but I want you to realize the whole point of this is this is another of the several connections that we've already been seeing between the events of the book of Acts and the Old Testament Scriptures. This is important. These people are not drunk, verse 16, but this is what was spoken of through the, through the prophet Joel. Obviously, Peter already had been given special insight from the Holy Spirit, presumably the other apostles as well, concerning what was going on. And, and don't, you, don't you wish that there was a, a footnote there that would give us the Bible references? Which mighty deeds of God were they talking about? <laughs> well, probably a lot of them. And probably the people that spoke more than one language might have gotten to hear even more than those who only spoke one or, or two. But those weren't the only things that make the connection and that, that show us that this is the next step in unveiling God's plan of redemption. He planned it before the foundation of the world. He predicted these things that would happen before they did. He sent His Son in the fullness of time at exactly the right time to the right place to be born of the right woman on the right day to do all the things that He did to go to the cross, voluntarily lay down His life for sinners, rise again, ascend to the Father. It's all one story. It's all connected, and you can't leave out parts of it and understand the whole. So, it's really important. It's not what you suppose. They're not drunk. This is from the prophet Joel. This is God's plan, number four. Now, what's going to happen here is Peter is going to quote Joel 2, 28 through 32. It is one of the most fascinating examples where the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament and applied in a powerful way. Now, before we read this section, these next five verses, I want to say two things about them. First of all, um, you know, we preach from the New American Standard Bible here, uh, and that's the version that you will see on the slides when I, when I show these to you. But you'll notice in the New American Standard Bible, it is printed in all caps. That's to make it clear that the words come directly from the Old Testament. That's a helpful feature I really appreciate about the New American Standard Bible. You can look at a page and the all caps stand out to you. That is a, just a, a visual way of portraying to you all this is interconnected. This is somebody in the New Testament building their message on what is revealed in the Old Testament. It's all interconnected. It's one story. It's one plan. 
Now, it's all caps in your Bible. This is not a text message. Peter was not shouting. Well, he raised his voice because it was a big crowd. But second thing about this, in the way that it was revealed to Joel and recorded in his book, it was uh, written in the form of poetry. That means the primary characteristic of Hebrew poetry is parallelism. It's written in, in two-line pairs. Sometimes it's say something and then say the same thing again in different words, or say one thing and then contrast it in, in, in different words. Sometimes the parallelism is more sophisticated, like line A, line B, and then repeat the message of B, and then repeat the message of A. There's multiple you know, versions of contrasts and chiasm and other things that, that you can do with that. But that's the primary characteristic of it is that it's Hebrew poetry. Now, when you translate poetry from one language to another, you can get the meanings of the words pretty uh, precisely. But it's impossible to maintain the poetic form. You can't uh, reduplicate the meter or the rhyme or anything um, like that. Um, and it's, it's much more difficult, if you will, to verbally translate. So the best we can do in our English Bibles when we are recording something that's Hebrew poetry is to print it in the line-by-line format rather than as regular prose. And so that ought to tip you off if you see things where it's not just you know, in paragraph form, it's line by line, it's almost certainly a, a poetic quotation. Now, there are only a few English words that you'll find in your translation that Peter wove in among the words of Joel. If you take this passage and compare it to, uh, put it in parallel columns, Acts 2, 17 through 21, with Joel 2, 28 through 32, which I did this week, it's identical. He quoted this um, very, very effectively. I don't think that he had the other 11 guys with him unfurl a big long scroll of the book of Joel. He knew this. This was the part of the Holy Spirit bringing to their minds everything they needed to know. All right, we'll look at these five verses and then make some comments. Acts two seventeen through 21. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. (coughs) And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what happened on that day was not a drunken display. It was an important development in the plan of God. It was what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, it starts out in the last days. Last days is common Old Testament terminology pointing to the time when the Messiah would come to set up His kingdom. You heard Jesus refer in Matthew uh, 12 that this will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come, meaning now or in the kingdom. That, that, their perspective was there's this age, Messiah comes, and the kingdom comes with Him. So the last days is when Messiah would come and set up His kingdom. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.